Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... There's nobody with, frankly, better hair um, in in the tennis world than Tyson Kwiatkowski, and right now it's you know it's got a kind of a little bit of a bedhead ruffle um, up top, um, but he's a sexy man. Tyson Kwiatkowski, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you? Good morning, everyone. I uh, I am just waking up, so that's why my hair looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> where are you located right now? Tell tell everybody what you've been up to and, and where you're going to next. Um, I'm right now currently in Jacksonville, Florida, helping my mom pack up boxes. She's moving back home to North Carolina, and then I will return to my home in Charlottesville, Virginia. This seems problematic for you because if, if memory serves, Ty, I, I believe you have a, a favorite casino in Jacksonville. If, if, <laughs> if you don't have a, a base there, how are you going to be able to play poker appropriately in Florida? Yeah, I might have to announce my retirement from the poker circuit uh, <laughs> without without proper access. So I think maybe the reason why my mom is leaving is so that I can no longer uh, gamble away my uh, challenger winnings. <laughs> and uh, Actually, very funny. There's ulterior motives here. Um, how's the past few months been, you know, kind of go through, you know, I think that's the question we have to ask everybody. Yeah. Cause it's, we, we actually talked to you. The last time we talked to you was you and Noah were in Indian Wells together when everything shut down. So, I mean, give us the recap on the last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year for sure. I mean, um, in terms of tennis, I think it's been a, a, a fairly sad one, but that's that's how the the whole world is right now. I mean, we're all we're all just starting to get back on our feet now that the vaccine is starting to roll out uh, pretty quickly, and um, you know, hopefully, I can get my first shot here soon to uh, start uh, getting over that anxiety of always testing positive on the road. I think that's the the biggest issue right now is when you're especially when you're traveling overseas for us and you have the possibility of quarantine, that's always that uh, lingering anxiety that uh, is pretty worrisome. And 
without proper protocols in place for what happens when you do. It's uh, definitely on the mind. And we're also playing for a lot less money and we're going from quote unquote bubble to bubble. And, um, you know, you're missing a lot of uh, normal times where, you know, you could de-stress by going to a nice restaurant wherever you are. And, you know, on top of that, we're playing for less prize money than, you know, we have been in the past years. And, um, for me personally, I felt like um, it's not worth it to pay a coach to come travel with me because I don't want to risk having them test positive and not only they have to quarantine in, you know, whatever country and be away from their family for an extra two weeks, but uh, then I would be pulled out of the tournament. So um, going alone to these tournaments as well as, you know, making less is not ideal. And of course, when you travel alone, you know, it's... Uh, can be sad at times, but also, you know, you're, you're not as properly prepared when you don't travel with a coach or a studio. Uh, yeah. I, you know, obviously I know your, your results have not been what you'd like to see of late Ty. On top of that, I know that you've been working with a new coach over the last three, four months. And I'm, I'm just wondering how much that, that anxiety how much uh, um, you blame that anxiety um, in, in terms of what, how your results have been over the last several months. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've i just been kind of bouncing around right now looking for a, a permanent coaching situation. Um, I was working with Carlos uh, for almost three and a half years. So that was like, a, you know, a stalwart in my career for a long time. So to, to no longer have that and kind of look for something else is, has been tough. And um, I would say... The anxiety is not why I haven't had the results, but it's it's definitely you know a part of it. But I think more so the lack of solid preparation day in and day out on the practice court, you know, doesn't doesn't give you the freedom to go out there and and just do your best. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try to get back to that the next couple of weeks before you know we have two more challengers in in, in uh, America, which is nice that we uh, have have something here. On the mental health side, before we get into our main topics, um, has this kind of highlighted the instability in tennis for you? Has it, you know, added to the instability, you know, kind of what are you feeling on that side of things? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't have, you know, details and numbers and all that, but just, you know, listening in, into the chat that we have with, uh, you know, Vasek and Novak and hearing, you know, just how, poorly our organization and run is run uh the atp and and its executives its board members and just how many conflicts of interest there are it's, it's a little disheartening because it feels like it's such a large um scheme that's designed against the players and and they're just so good at fugazing you know it, and changing it and making it theme to the public and to, to even the players almost that they're trying to help us when in reality, you know, everything that they have in place is, is designed to keep us going at the bare minimum. And there's really not much we can do because um, Noah's working really slowly on his tour and he's not doing, <laughs> and, and it's not here yet. And I've been waiting and it's been like many years and, and, and I still have nothing. And the tournament is still like nine months away. So uh, I have no other option, but to continue this, this tour that I'm on now and you no. Know, so 
yeah, I mean, it's easy to blame our board members and our uh, ATP executives, but at the end of the day, it's Noah's fault. <laughs> do you, do you, are you at a point realistically though, that maybe you would want to just not play for a while? Um, you know, I had that break, obviously we all did during the beginning of COVID yeah. and, uh, I, it was honestly a really great time. I was, uh, you know, spending a lot of time with my friends and, you know, relaxing and it was a really low stress time. So I think, you know, if, if we had another break, I would be fine with that. But because the tour is still going on, um, you have that anxiety as a player always like, Oh man, I need to get out there and play. Oh man, everyone else is improving their ranking and I'm not. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to have a break, but at the same time, that's not really an option with where I am in my ranking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just still on the, the cusp of getting into slams and, you know, I, I want to make a push much higher than that. So at the end of the day, I, the, the problems that I have, you know, need to be solved sooner rather than later. And a break is not going to solve that. It's only going to be solved by, you know, putting in the hard hours on the practice court. Well, um, we wanted to talk to you and, and we appreciate you talking with us about a, a conversation that's rather uncomfortable. Um, it, it's obviously been a very difficult time for Asian Americans in our country. Um, the violence against Asian Americans here over the last year, especially since COVID-19, has been, uh, it's been a dramatic increase. Um, Jeremy Lin, uh, former NBA player, now NBA developmental league player, has come out over the last couple of weeks and spoken out about what his experience has been like um, on the basketball court, and some of it has been horrific. And we wanted to bring you on, and again, with our thanks, to, to talk about what you've experienced um, on the tennis court, off the tennis court, um, and, and what you've also heard from other Asian uh, players and also Asian American players about what their experiences have been like in tennis. It has that reputation as being a lily white sport. Um, so I, I guess I kind of wanted to start, have you, as an Asian American, have you ever felt excluded um, on a tennis court or as you were growing up in the sport? Um, I think I'm lucky to say that uh i'm very privileged where um i i am half asian so it seems like i'm able to assimilate into the country club uh sport of tennis a little bit easier and because i was born here and i don't have an accent and um you know i act quote unquote white it's it's been less of a challenge for me facing overt uh, racism or discrimination. However, it's my job now as someone who is still part of the Asian community to recognize that privilege and, and be an ally for my Asian American tennis players, of course, but, um, you know, our entire our entire demographic here in the States and be an ally for them uh, who, who are facing those challenges. And I think uh, obviously during the COVID-19 pandemic, the xenophobic rhetoric has increased, you know, tenfold, if not more because of, you know, COVID-19 and, and its origin in China and, 
you have, you know, the leader of your country calling it the Kung flu and um, calling it the China virus, even after he's been pointed out by many of his Republican colleagues that that's not the right uh, terminology. So I think that just empowers people to, um, you know, use use that rhetoric and, and, you know, rhetoric eventually spirals into violence and, and you know, obviously that that language is not new. The violence is not new, but it's just compounded during this time. So it's it's just very obvious about where we stand uh, as a nation. One of our many issues. Do you remember kind of the first time that it you know was an understanding for you that this could be an issue? You know, whether for yourself or or people around you, was there? A time where education had to be, you know, forced upon you to to learn about certain circumstances that could take place in your lifetime. Um, I think my parents did a good job of uh, preparing me for uh, that. I was the only Asian kid in my, you know, private uh, Christian school growing up, so my parents were a little bit more worried than I was as a kindergartner. Uh, and I think there was maybe in a class of 50, we had two black kids and me as a, you know, three quarters Asian. So I think, uh, yeah, you grow up knowing you're a little different, but like I said, I, I wasn't, you know, called slant eyes or anything like that, any, anything myself so i i was i had i was pretty lucky growing up and to, to not experience those things but um you know i've heard so many stories of you know friends that i met in college and and what they grew up in and how in northern virginia uh where we have a much larger uh asian population than in charlotte where i grew up where you know they they felt like they you know had to stick with their own because they weren't uh, you know, they were uh, excluded and, and, and felt uh, marginalized in, in their areas where they, where they were uh, sectioned off, whether it, it be, um, you know, by school lines. And, and so you go to school where with primarily Asians, because that's the way school board lines have been drawn, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you hear stories like that. And um yeah, I, I have to do a better job of educating myself so that I can be a better ally and, and you know, be vocal with, uh, with, with my words and my actions to, to help those people. Because I think if I was to stay silent and say, hey, you know, I've never experienced these things, how can I, how can I relate, you know? But that's, that's you know, silence is complicity as, as we've come to know here um, in, in the last few years in our country. Um, you, you mentioned you haven't really experienced too much in terms of just overt racism um, yourself within the sport. Um, obviously, there are there have been an influx of of Asian players over the last 15, 20 years um, into the sport, which has been terrific to see. Have you heard from them or have you seen anything that they might have experienced over the last 10 years that that has really impacted them um, in terms of what it's been like within the sport of tennis? Um, you know, I, I can't think of anything specifically, but, uh, you know, I do feel like we have a much larger 
um, you know, population of, of Asians than the sport kind of gives off. And we, we do have a lot of great players. And I feel like um, because in general, uh, you know, it, there's this feeling that, you know, we're the, we're the model minority and we're, we're very quiet. Um, you know, I don't, I don't fall into that category, but in general, I think, uh, you know, you have, you have that feeling of being a, a model minority and, and you don't bother the people. So they don't bother you, but you're still marginalized and, um, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a constant, um, you're a foreigner, you're a perpetual foreigner is the, is the words that I've read. And I, I do, I do have seen that. And I have, I have felt that where, you know, you felt like you kind of belong, but at the same time, you know, you're just, you're just outside of, of um, being a part of, you know, just regular society, I guess I'd say. It's this weird time tie because um, I, I know when we were talking to Philip Simmons um, in the summer, when we were talking about what had happened with George Floyd, um, the, the protests that were happening, you know, for Black Lives Matter during the summer. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, how black parents have the talk with with their their kids um, about what what to do in certain situations, and I, I found myself over the last couple of weeks as I see so many um, Asian Americans speak up about the violence that has been perpetuated on Asian Americans within our country. I find myself wondering if we're going to get to that point here soon. Unfortunately, that Asian parents might have to have those discussions with their children as well. And I'm, and I'm just wondering, you know, not necessarily on the tennis side tie, but in, in terms of the, the national side, if, if you felt that and how it's impacted you personally over the last specifically, I guess I'd say over the last two or three weeks. Um, I think I would say uh, I'm more worried for, you know, the, the elder folks in the Asia community right now. Um, the ones who English isn't their first language. And when they experience these, these, you know, acts of discrimination or violence, and you know, there's no really way for them to report it because, uh, you know, their English is either really bad or um, uh, they don't have someone to call or they don't know how to report it in general. And I think, you know, you see the the number of. Uh, you know, violent acts has, has risen astronomically during this time towards uh, Asian Americans. And it's probably, you know, almost most definitely much higher than that because, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's so difficult for many of these, um, you know, elderly or, or people who have recently immigrated from, from Asian countries to, to report it. And they, they also don't feel like it does anything. So they, so they don't. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, Back to your question, I, I I would, if I was you know a parent right now, I, I would probably have that talk for sure um, with my kids. But at the same time, I, I would also have that talk with you know my grandparents right now and and let them know, you know, because they're they're older and and you know they, but they're still quite active. They still get in the car. They they go hang out with their their friends and they go to you know the grocery store and they go out to restaurants and. And they like to be social. So they're going to be out in the world and, you know, obviously not during COVID right now, but, you know, eventually when it, when it's done, they're, they're going to be out there again. And, and, you know, 
I'm not sure how aware they are of, of how bad things have gotten in the past uh, few days and weeks. Um, so yeah, I think that's a conversation that me and you know my parents should should have with them before they before they re return to society when everything here gets back to normal soon. We hear time and time again that sport kind of brings people together. Do you have that feeling? You know, obviously Jeremy Lin was outspoken about it, but is there this feeling like, hey, you know, um, we're in this together kind of thing, or is it just not enough? I think when people say sports bring people together, it means like, yeah, everyone wants to watch Game 7 of the World Series. Everybody wants to watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals. We can all go to the bar and put aside our differences for a moment and drink a beer and cheer as you know the teams are in overtime and it's an insane moment. Um, as far as do sports bring the country closer together and, you know, help end racism No, that's got to take a conscious effort. And I think we have, you know, made leaps and bounds, um, you know, in, in a year and a half since, you know, black lives matter and the fact that we're even having this, this conversation right now. So I, I do think sports are, could be a vehicle for that, but as far as the actual sporting event, uh, I mean, it brings us all together for a brief moment, but, in order to keep that going, it has to be a conversation um, off the court or the floor or the field, you know? I'm going to ask one more serious question before we get back to trashing Noah, um, because that's what I think we're all here for. But um, I, I, I watched, I, and I, I, I don't know if you're an, an, an HBO guy. I was watching the, the last week tonight with John Oliver this past week um, where he was speaking about the shooting in Atlanta and and more so just that, kind of eye-opening reminder about you know racism against Asian Americans in this country is not new. Um, it's been happening for a long, long time. And I think it's probably underreported, under-acknowledged, and under-educated within our country. What do you, in your opinion, think we can do about that to, to make sure that, frankly, people like me, middle-aged white guys, are able to just have a better understanding of, of where we are and where we've come from? Um, well, I think similar to the, the Black Lives Matter movement, I, you saw, um, obviously, the entire black community standing up uh, for, for the violence that, that, you know, the discrimination they've been facing for centuries. Um, I think it's... A, but then you also saw, at least I felt in my social circles, people who weren't part of that community stepping up and being vocal, being verbal, going to protest, being a part of the movement and being very loud and vocal. And I think that's what it takes um, for the Stop Asian Hate movement as well. I mean, um, you know, we, we again, we talk about Asians being the model minority, but the perpetual foreigner, you there's so much Asian culture in America that if you, if you like going out to eat sushi, if you, you know, like watching Japanese cartoons, if you like doing yoga, if you have a Buddha in your house, like all those things stem from Asian culture, which means that it's now made its way here. And that means, you know, Asian American folks are here and 
you know, if you can accept all those things that are basically in our daily lives, like, you know, all these, you know, white girls and white chefs making Asian food and doing yoga, like that's, that's, if you love that, then you need to find a way to, you know, make your voice heard and stand up for, for, you know, being verbal against, you know, Asian racism and, and Asian being against Asian violence, just, you know, this similar way to, I felt like, you know, it's, it, it's not over by any means, but I felt like, at least in my friend group, I felt like we were very vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, that, that made me proud that I had friends who, you know, had adaptable brains that were willing to look deep within, inside themselves and say, hey, what are my implicit biases? Hey, how can I do a better job? And it's the same thing here. You know, how can, how can I do a better job being an ally for my Asian American friends and, and, and educate myself better? Because I have to do the same thing because like I said, I, I have experienced luckily um, a lot less overt racism and discrimination than um, many of my Asian American friends and family that I, I have in my life. So, um, you know, how can I be more understanding to them and how can I be more vocal so that, you know, it doesn't continue to happen to them and, and people that I don't know. Well said. Um, I, I, I might as well just give you also just an open forum here to trash Noah um, because I don't think that there's, frankly, anyone better to do so. You're just giving him the floor Yeah, I mean, I'm giving him so. the floor. <laughs> That's a large smile yeah, on his I face. Mean, yeah, it already started. Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting to see Noah for, like, months now, and he keeps ducking me. I know. You know he, He's not he playing this, Orlando now. Quote, unquote. He has quote unquote ankle injury. Yeah. Uh, the guy says, let's go to Bielo for one tournament. <laughs> yeah. Like let's go play a tournament since, you know, we don't have coaches, you know, we can coach each other and you know, it'll be great. Ankle injury doesn't want, doesn't, you know, doesn't want to see me. I say, Hey man, let's practice in Cleveland. He said, mm, not going. Uh, and now it says, mm, maybe I'll play Orlando. Maybe not. Maybe I'll see you next year. Maybe not. And then I ask him if he's going to give me a wild card to a tournament. And he says, mm, you know, he'll let me know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's okay. Like, I get it. I'm not, I'm not big name going to draw a lot of people like, uh, you know, Fabio Fognini and, 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 and people like that. But you know, you'd think that I would get a quality wild card, no? You know, it's, it's actually funny because – in the terms of like the BTR tour and what it stands for and what I'm looking for, Ty is actually oh, he's at the top of the list. He is yeah, perfect. I mean, he is the villain of the tournament. Like you hate, look, you love to hate him, and you just go on your way. Look, very entertaining <laughs> guy. You know, yes. You never know what you could get. Like it just, I mean, Mike has sat watching matches and just been like what is happening yes you know like, absolutely I, he i've left mike speechless which is quite difficult <laughs> yes. to do where he's like and uh kwiatkowski goes uh goes off and does it again i don't know what he's doing <laughs> and he's clearly having conversations with himself in the back of the court our microphones can't pick it up but he's clearly not happy <laughs> not sure if it's with himself the referees <laughs> A not coach, sure. not Carlos sure. Burnett. Just, just, he's just not happy. Just not happy. 
I'm uh, and there. He is He's giving a thumbs up to the camera to Coach Carlos Benaski, who's must be watching from home. <laughs> the sarcastic thumbs up is unbelievable. The, the, I think it was Dallas, wasn't it? When you were talking to the camera uh, well, specifically, I was, I was coached there, and yeah. I didn't really. I to be uh, you were playing. Um, what's that guy's name? Seven. <laughs> and he went three and i'm like oh my god this is unbelievable it was almost as good around as- was giving thumbs up to the camera <laughs> and and you uh no, no no the best is when you uh told bonatsky that we did that one drill we yeah. did <laughs> everything's fine everything's fine let's just do this drill it's fine everything's fine so I'm going to, at the tour, I'm going to put up a banner of you. So while you're losing, you can say, why is that fucking banner on this court right now? And somebody take it down. <laughs> no, I think there should be like a thumbs up counter for me. <laughs> we have an over under because we're going to have like fan voting. We have an over under of how many sarcastic thumbs ups. I want to get to the level where uh, they're they're yeah, prop bets on me in Vegas for yes. things like, you know, thumbs up, uh, time, number of games before he bounces the racket, number of games before he, he looks at his box with the sarc- sarcasm comment. Like it would, it would be good. We're going know? to have coaching too. So I'm actually curious how this all goes down. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I have a coach by, uh, <laughs> what is it? First week in September. Yeah. Well, Second no week. later. Yeah. Then, End of September. Story. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if I can get Noah, even without the ankle to come down to Orlando to test the ankle on, on the red clay there, uh, you know, hang yeah. out and just, you know, again, a week of trashing him. I just want and, to see uh, Ty play live again. I just, <laughs> I kind of miss it. Any, the, it's the unexpected of literally anything well, can happen. Well, like the last few matches I've played, uh have been quite un like i i used to think that like i could just get motivated to go out and just absolutely battle on any court any yeah. day but like <laughs> but like on monday we were literally playing in court two of miami which is the farthest from the locker room and they're selling tickets yeah to qualities but only to the stadium courts so mm. if you had a ticket to the stadium you still couldn't watch the outer courts mm. so i had a couple friends who bought tickets but they couldn't come to my match. They could only go watch Grandstand, which was, um, which was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even anybody they knew. So they, they were just kind of pissed. They spent a lot of money to buy these tickets. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm playing on this court and it's just me, my opponent's coach and my opponent's girlfriend and like dead silence, no <laughs> lines, people, three ball kids. Like it was like, and, and, and I'm looking around, I'm like, this is so depressing. Like, <laughs> so sad. Like, normally you play Miami Open and, yeah, yeah, Miami Open in general, if you play a South American, you get cheered against as an American because there's such a large uh, Hispanic population down there. But at least you have some sort of atmosphere. Yeah. Like, I'm down 5-1 in a blink of an eye because I literally have, I'm like, what is going on like this is so depressing like the 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 umpire looked depressed you know? like it was just a terrible scene so i have big respect for those guys that go out there and like stadiums empty and they're going absolutely ballistic mm-hmm. you know yeah like wow 
you have a lot of videos and pictures of me like losing my mind positive and negative in college but that's because like you know you're playing for your team and you know there's even in college there's you know 50 to 100 people there like I don't like myself enough just to go out there and like absolutely battle and compete for myself. You know? And like, I don't have a coach right now. So nobody's sitting there and like, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, ah, I don't really like myself today, but at least I can look at my coach and be like, yeah, I want to win for you. You know, you're, you're taking your time to be away from your wife and kid to, to coach me here at this tournament. But like, I'm looking around and I'm looking at the bleachers that are on fire because the sun is directly hitting them and the metal is, is you know, burning because nobody's <laughs> sitting on them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could, uh, I could, you know, drop dead on this court and nobody would know because there's nobody here. So the, the title will be, I don't like myself so, enough. Yeah. So, so, no, in- no, no. <laughs> so in Orlando, this, this is not the point of the podcast. <laughs> But so, no, I mean, last thing, all last the thing. other important stuff, don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah right. no, no, we won't. But the, the last thing is people who know you well enough will know that the silence is the most yes. terrifying part. When Tyson is dead silent, yeah, that's when just, you know the end is near. Just be a little bit on edge. You get, you just get a little. So, end is near. Wait, so in Orlando, would it be helpful if, if you heard me trashing you? I mean, would that be yeah. like if and it actually anything, would? Anything. It I, would. Need, I need anything. Okay, so if so you're on or, my Orlando, side. I'll just start. I'll I'll just absolutely yeah, trash I, you. I don't even I don't even know where you're gonna sit though, because it's not it's not like the other Orlando Challenger. It's on the it's on the player development courts. Mm. So I don't know how they're gonna set up your zone. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can just be like, oh, there he is. Nice forehand. Nice one. Nice I'll, one. I'll <laughs> just put a Bluetooth speaker like right behind the court. Nobody will notice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm gonna hire someone to coach me that week because i after last week i can't i cannot go to a tournament and have it be like that again well noah's available so yeah yeah no i'm good uh, <laughs> yeah i have a good record with noah on the bag yeah no we're actually not bad i actually think you guys would work well together i really do he could <laughs> well we we had one we won the second match of that was actually it was okay you played bellucci it was fine but it was the sarcastic it's just it's unbelievable it's there's nothing like it there really is no other player like tyson that's true um ty thank you for your time um enjoy what time you have left in florida i hope you get to the casino and play a little bit before you you have to pack up and leave maybe a little couple hours yeah see it's never a couple hours i know i mean i understand (laughs) it's i get it you can't just you can't just go in and be like yeah i'll just Play a couple hands, see how it goes. Yeah, I listen. <laughs> Twelve I, hours later, I know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to commiserate with you having to move. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to seeing you in a in a couple weeks with or without Noah. Me too. Me too. Noah, see you there. Huh? <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe. More than just a tennis shoe, it's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at 
Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.